0: Welcome to Ohio's Bios, an insight into local government here in Ohio. I'm David Thomas and serve as County Auditor for Ashabila County in Northeast Ohio. Local government impacts each of us every day, but how much do we really know about the organizations and the people who make everyday life possible? Join me as I speak with the leaders in local government making a difference in our communities every day. My guest today is Brian Walsh. He's a former Hill staffer and current spokesman for Capital Access Alliance, which is a national coalition of transportation, business, and civic groups across the country who are trying to make air travel to and from Washington, D.C. more accessible and affordable. This impacts people across the country and here in Ohio. Uh, Well, Brian Walsh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time this morning to talk with us, share a little bit about your background and about a really important issue uh, to a lot of uh, Ohioans and Americans um, here in in rural Ohio. So thank you so much. Good to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just dive right in. Um, I know that you've got quite a a vast uh, background of experience there in Washington, D.C., and you're currently with the Capital Access Alliance, the CAA. Um, why don't you share with folks a little bit about your background, uh, what some of your different roles responsibilities have been, and and how that landed you with your your current position? Sure, thank you very much. I've been working uh, in
1: Washington for about twenty five years now. Uh, the first fifteen of which I've spent working on Capitol Hill, nice, uh, on both the House and the Senate sides, uh, in a variety of communications positions for members of Congress, uh, first on the House side, and then. Uh, on the Senate, in the Senate, for Senator Cornyn from Texas, uh, where I was his communications director. But for the last 10 years, I've been working in the private sector uh, in a variety of public policy campaigns across an array of issues. And what we're working on right now uh, deals with the aviation industry and specifically uh, um, a battle uh, around the FAA reauthorization bill. Uh, And it's actually one of these rare issues that impacts Uh, my family and I personally, and frankly, anyone who travels by air into our nation's capital, right? Uh, and it deals with air travel at Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport. So I can talk more at length about that, but I'll I'll stop right there for the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, all all good. You, you know, I guess. So you mentioned the FAA reauthorization bill; that's coming up. Is that something that happens quite regularly? Um, you know, how much kind of public emphasis, or does the general public even know that that type of thing exists? I mean, a lot of folks know about the farm bill, for example, or the defense bill, but that one sounds a little bit more nuanced it, it is because it actually only
1: comes up every five years wow. so this is not a debate that comes up every every year yeah this is a bill that only comes up every five years and so and this this debate we're talking about here which we'll delve into into dealing with uh, air travel at, at uh, into america's capital is just one small part of a much larger bill dealing with you know every air aspect of of Americans. Uh, aviation travel. So this is one small part of it, but it's a bill that's going through it's it's, it's a multi-month process going through the house and the Senate, and then they'll be a conference committee. So it's a, it's a long process,
0: but it only, it only comes up every five years, which is why we're having this debate this year. I see. So that makes sense. And, you know, so for this specific topic, uh, an issue that you're working on, um, you said it impacts pretty much anyone that flies into DC, a lot of economic pieces too. Um, so for those here in Ohio, you know, listening that might take a vacation to D.C. sometime soon, recommend not in the summer. So coming up here in the fall is a good idea. Uh, <laughs> it's really good here right now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a swamp for a reason, I think. Um, yeah. But what, uh, you know, what impact, why, uh, why are we uh, talking about this topic today?
1: So a lot of people including particularly in Northern Virginia, where I live, but people who who travel in and out of DC aren't actually aware of this. But since 1966, there has been a federal regulation on the books that, uh, artificially limits air travel in and out of Washington, D.C., and specifically at Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport. Now, for folks who have flown into D.C. before, there's two primary airports. There's Reagan National, which is right across the river from D.C. in Arlington, Virginia, and there's Dulles International Airport, which is about 25 miles further out into Virginia, into the Virginia suburbs. Now, in the 1960s, when Dulles was opening, uh, the feeling was that you know, because what was just called national at the time was so close, uh, that unless a kind of a a protectionist measure was put in place to protect Dulles, that everyone would would just want to use national. And so the federal government, which actually owned both airports, put in place a measure that restricted long distance airport uh, air travel at national. And so for many years, you could not fly beyond 1250 miles at national airport. And they basically course, everyone who wanted to fly long distances to use Dulles. Now, that was back in 1966. It was also at a time when very few people lived out by Dulles. To put it in perspective, you know, out Loudoun County, where, where Dulles um, is located, uh, about 50,000 people lived out there in 1966. There's about 500,000 people who live there now. So the population has, right. has just exploded in Northern Virginia. So kind of one of these reasons for having this protectionist measure has really been thrown out the window. Dulles is a self-sustaining airport. Uh, There's plenty of people who live in Northern Virginia who use both airports interchangeably. So it's now 2023. uh, And, you know, but consequently, there is still this protectionist measure that limits air travel in long distances at DCA. But what it also limits is the number of flights that can go in and out of Reagan National each day. Now, as a result of this, Washington, D.C., has the highest ticket prices of any metro top metro area in the country, so that impacts people not just in Los Angeles and Salt Lake City and Western cities, but places like Ohio or St. Louis or you know Midwestern er- uh, areas as well. And so what we're trying to do is say, look, let's. It's no longer 1966. It's now 2023. This may have been a federal regulation that made sense in 1966, but there's an opportunity here to Take a fresh look at this. Let's add more flights at Reagan National. We know the airport has the capacity to do that. Uh, I should also add, Reagan National is the only airport in the country that is, uh, has a federal perimeter rule like this. And so it's kind of crazy that, you know, we're talking about something like this, that 60 years later, uh, a lot of people aren't even aware that is this is impacting not only their, you know, their choices they want to make and where they fly, but it's impacting their
0: bottom lines and like their financial bottom lines and what they're paying for, for air travel. Yeah, like you said, artificially then increasing the costs because there's a lot less uh, flights going into the airport. Um, I, I also had no idea that that was a, you know, most, um, most folks right here in Ashtabula, it's only a five hour drive to DC. But for much of Ohio and the Midwest, like you said, it's just not practical to drive. And so you have to fly in and we're all then paying higher prices than we should. Um, and it sounds like you, know, you shared that there's enough of a capacity at Reagan uh, for this rule not to be an issue. So it's only more of a legacy rule. Is that accurate?
1: It is. And, you know, what, one of the things we're fighting against, like like any public policy fight in Washington, I've been through a lot of them, there's you know, there's there's what's the right thing to do. In this case, it's what's the right thing to do for consumers. But on a lot of sides, there's always a special interest. On the other side, that has benefited from this policy and they want to keep it in place. And in this case, that's United Airlines. Uh, so United Airlines controls roughly 70% of the gates at Dulles. Mm-hmm. Um, they've benefited from this pr- kind of federal protectionist measure in place. They don't want more competition. They don't want more flights at Reagan, and so they have stood up a coalition that they're and they're aggressively lobbying to keep this in place. Um, and so we're 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 really one. There's two things going on. One, a lot of people aren't aware of this, so there's an education campaign going on. So that's why I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to uh, folks in Ohio about. That there's you know this federal regulation that's that's hurting their financial bottom lines if they fly into DC, uh, but there's also you know educating lawmakers that you know that that there is uh, an opportunity here to stand on the side of consumers, let the free market uh, have more opportunity to give consumers more choices,
0: um, and, and you know that's ultimately what this is about. Uh, yeah, there's, it sounds yeah. like the perfect kind of rule where the government picks the winner and the loser in this case or steers people towards one way, really for no reason outside of just bureaucracy.
1: Exactly. And just to give you, you know, a personal example. So I live, you know, here in Northern Virginia and I, I live kind of between Dulles and, and Reagan National. And when I wanted to take my my family to San Diego on vacation a couple of years ago, there is no direct flight from Reagan National to San Diego even though San Diego is the eighth largest city in the country, there is no direct flight from ring national. There is only a, the only way to get there is a United flight. Mm. So I only have, we only had one choice and guess what? Dulles, and Dulles, uh, there was a ranking that came out a few months ago. Dulles is the most expensive airport in the country. Wow. And so look, United Airlines wants to keep it that way. They benefit from this. And so, you know, they're, they're aggressively lob- lobbying lawmakers to keep this kind of, outdated artificial rule in place, we're encouraging lawmakers to stand on the side of consumers to give people more choices. But, you know, like anything in Washington, sometimes changes hard. This has been on the books for nearly 60 years. Um,
0: And so we're going to continue to push. So what can the average person um, who, you know, flies maybe through there, we have a lot of business folks in our area uh, that travel um, through D.C. to get to other places, for example, Uh, And they probably didn't realize that they were paying higher rates for sure than they should be. So what do you recommend uh, for folks to do?
1: So we, working with uh, Delta Airlines uh, and a number of business groups, civic groups, uh, minority groups, uh, we have dozens of groups around the country that have formed a coalition called the Capital Access Alliance. It's capitalaccessalliance.com. You can go on there. Uh, learn about this. We have an extensive study that has all the details and data points about how this is harming consumers. And it gives you an opportunity to go on there, send a letter to your lawmakers, um, a phone call, an email. Uh, we're encouraging uh, the two you know, senators from Ohio um, to to as this as this FAA bill goes through the Senate uh, to support this effort to give consumers more choices by adding more flights at Reagan National. Uh, In particular, we would love the support of Senator Vance as a member of the Senate Commerce Committee. Uh, We hope he'll take a very close look at this issue because the FAA bill will be going through the Senate Commerce Committee. Uh, So this is an opportunity um, uh, for for members from Ohio to really stand on the side of consumers kind of against the Uh, this kind of 60-year-old government protectionist measure that's harming consumers uh, and really going to give consumers more choices at lower ticket prices.
0: Yeah, it sounds like just really kind of once you baseline educate folks on this, this seems like a a pretty straightforward, you know, why would we want the government restricting airline access of one airline, um, not the other one, and artificially raising prices then? That doesn't sound like something any consumer would be in favor of for sure.
1: Yeah, and what's you know what's ironic about about this proposal is that it actually doesn't benefit any any one airline. The, 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 there's what the bill would do would authorize a specific number of new flights that would be divided equally among all the existing airlines at Reagan National. So even though United uh, is fighting this, they would actually get new flights at, at Reagan National, as would American, as would Delta, uh, at Southwest. And so it actually it's it's specifically designed not to benefit a single airline, but to treat all the airlines equally. But what it would do is introduce more competition. Um, to give you you know an example, right now you know if you fly to if you want to fly to uh, Alaska, I mean I'm sorry uh, Seattle from Frigga National, your only choice there's one you know, one flight on Alaska Airlines. You know so there's very there's very few choices that that um, airline passengers have. Going both ways, right? She um, mm-hmm. went from. But what ultimately we want to do is protect all of the current flights. So, and that's the the other um, message I think is important for folks in Ohio who are following this debate to know. This bill wouldn't in no way impact current flights. So, if you have a flight in, from Cleveland or Columbus or anywhere from Ohio, this bill in, would in no way impact that current flights. Uh, current flight. The bill is purely additive. It would simply authorize more flights at Reagan National that could go both in or beyond the current perimeter, depending on where there's demand. But when there, you know, you don't need to be an economist to know that when you have more so Uh about basic supply and demand. And and right now that there's not enough supply to meet demand. So prices are 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 higher than they should be in other parts of the than versus other parts of the country. And so when you, you have more supply and consumers have more choices and you kind of take the federal government out of the equation and let the free market uh, reign, consumers benefit. And that's really what we're trying to do here.
0: No, it's, I mean, it sounds like more competition, more market access, better results for the consumers. Um, exactly. so it sounds like a win-win, you know, for sure. So if something neat, like I said, I, I had no idea I fly um, quite a bit and uh, fly through there, had no idea about the artificial increase uh, for ticket prices. I'm sure, You know, listeners and and folks across Ohio um, also had no idea. So this is really kind of neat to learn the why. And always when there's a problem, it's nice to have a solution then that you can propose and you can share with folks to encourage them to support. Absolutely. So like I said, it's CapitalAccessAlliance.com. There's plenty
1: of information on there and opportunity to contact your lawmakers. And like I said, this is going through Congress right now. Um, The bill is going through the Senate. It will likely be wrapped up before the end of the year, but the the debate is still ongoing. So we would certainly encourage folks to contact the the two senators from Ohio, contact their members of Congress, uh, stand on the side of competition, more consumers and kind of against uh, keeping the federal government in the uh, business of deciding where they fly and, and, you know, keeping high costs in place because of a 19th, just to give you some perspective, when this was put in place in 1966, the Department of Transportation hadn't even been established yet. So there are wow. all these things, you know, seatbelts weren't required. <laughs> seatbelts weren't required in airlines. You could smoke. You could probably smoke. Yep, that, yep. Right? <laughs> So think about all the things that have changed in, you know, in air travel. The one thing that hasn't changed is this outdated perimeter rule that has governed air traffic in, in and out of our nation's capital. So, again, it's one of these things that you take a fresh look at and you say, okay, maybe this made sense in 1966, but it's now in 2023. I mean, shouldn't we? should we perhaps take a fresh look at this like we have with so many other issues
0: yeah absolutely well um thank you again for your time and one last question i'd like to ask all of our guests here on the podcast uh you know with your background in in federal government the house side now advocacy um what do you believe is the role of government
1: uh i think the role of government is to listen to the people first and foremost um you know, people in Washington. I've, I, like I said, I've, I've lived in work here for a long time. God and, bless you. <laughs> and, and, and and I think I think Washington always needs to do a lot more listening. Um, you know, you need people. I always encourage reporters and anyone to get outside the Beltway, go out and listen to on what you know what's on the minds of people. In, you know, in everyday America, get outside Washington D.C. and and listen. Um, and that's where I, I would also just tell people, having worked on Capitol Hill for so many years, uh, phone calls and emails and letters they do matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I started, you know, in the late '90s answering the phones on Capitol Hill. We would track phone calls on different issues, and those got recorded. They would go to the chief of staff, who would show them to the congressman or, or senator. The, the letters do get tracked. Um, you do say, well, okay, we got 500 letters on this issue and only, you know, 400 were against and a hundred were, or, so those things do matter. Um, and so I would just encourage people when you write letters to the editor, you know, when you know I, I started off as a front desk person, we would do the clips and you, you know, you, every member's a member of Congress, they track their mentions on social media, they track their names in the paper. And so when you write letters to the editor or opinion pieces or, um, you know, any, any sort of thing, you know, members of Congress track those things. And I think anything you can do to make your voice heard, um, you may not immediately see a result, but, uh, you know, it will make a difference. So I just, I encourage people in Washington to listen more. And I encourage people outside of Washington to continue to make their voices heard on key issues.
0: Well, wonderful. Thank you again so much for your time and um, appreciate uh, the education and, and good luck with this issue. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on.